Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Thanks, Trace, and good morning and welcome to Gateway Online today. It's great to have you with us again this week. Who is excited about our restrictions starting to get lifted and we're able to meet together with a few more people? Who's excited about starting to maybe meet with your life group soon or seeing some of our ministries uh, come back uh, together? Jump in the chat. Just tell us what you're excited about and looking forward to. There'll be an email from me coming out uh, in the next week, just letting you know some of the dates and times of how some of our ministries will start uh, coming back together in the near future. Hey, we're going to continue our No Other Names series today, but before I get into studying one of the names of God that's revealed in Scripture, I want you to try and guess which animal is mentioned the most times in the Bible. If you thought it was a dog, you'd be wrong. It's not dogs. Dogs actually do get mentioned an honourable 44 times in Scripture. God obviously loves dogs, but dogs are not the most mentioned Bible in all of, in, uh, animal in Scripture. Uh, if you thought it was cats, it's not cats. This might surprise you, but there is not one mention of a cat in the Bible. Obviously, God doesn't like cats. You could argue that the lion is from the cat family, and the Bible does say that the, our, the devil roars around, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour someone. So maybe cats are like the devil. But it's not dogs, it's not cats, it's actually sheep. Sheep are mentioned the most times in the Bible of any other animal. And the scary bit is that sheep are more often than not actually compared to us, to to you and me. Maybe today as you look at this picture, you can see the resemblance between me and a sheep. It's not that flattering being compared to a sheep. I mean, sheep aren't exactly the smartest animal on the planet. I mean, you can teach a dolphin to jump and spin and do cool tricks. You can teach a donkey even to do some essential jobs. You can teach a dog to play dead, but you can't teach a sheep anything. I mean, the only way you can teach a sheep to play dead is to shoot it. And you only get to play once and then it's game over. So why is it? that we're like sheep, which aren't exactly the smartest, you know, animal in the world. Well, firstly, sheep are prone to wander off and get lost. They kind of wander around, they look at some grass, it's a bit greener over there, and they just kind of wander off and get lost and put themselves in danger without even knowing it and don't know their way to get back home. And we're a bit like sheep. In Isaiah, it says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way. And we've gone and got lost. We're a bit like sheep. And, and sheep are defenseless. You know, a dog can bite you. You know, a, a cat can scratch your eyes out. But, but a sheep 
It's kind of got no way to defend itself. And the scripture does actually say that we have an enemy. You know, the devil is like a roaring lion that prowls around looking for someone to devour. And just like a sheep is defenseless against a lion, you know, we too on our own are defenseless against our greatest enemy, the devil. And sheep are stubborn. Now, I don't want you right now just to point to the person next to you in your lounge room and go, he's talking to you right now. It won't create a great worship experience. But sheep are stubborn. You know, when sheep get wedged, you know, between two rocks, they'll just keep pushing further and further between those rocks and getting wedged more and more. You know, when, when sheep, you know, get stuck in mud, they'll just keep trying to walk through the mud and get themselves stuck deeper and deeper in the mud. Sheep don't have a reverse gear. They can't do the beep, 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 beep and reverse their way out. They're stubborn. They just keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different result. And sometimes we're like that. We're stubborn. We just keep doing the same old thing. And getting stuck in the same old habits. You know, it's not very flattering to be compared to a sheep. But it is flat out wonderful that the reason God compares us to a sheep is because he constantly compares himself to a shepherd. You know, we've been looking at some of the names of God. And one of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Ra. And Jehovah or Yahweh, we've learned, is the proper name, the personal name for the divine God, the creator of the universe, actually making himself known to his creation in a covenant relationship. And Ra is simply the Hebrew word for shepherd. So Jehovah Ra, the Lord, is our shepherd. It's a great picture. And I want to read today from the most famous and the most read psalm which talks about Jehovah-Rah, the Lord is our shepherd. Now, as I've been praying about this message, I just believe that the very words of Scripture are actually going to minister to people today, that these words are actually going to speak deeply to our heart. And so as as we read through these words, I want you just to to meditate and to think about these words and, and, and let them speak deeply to your soul, to your heart today. Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. It's an intensely personal psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Very often in, in Israel, they uh, would refer to God as our God, the God of the nation. But this psalm here is not speaking about the Lord is our shepherd. It's not addressed to a nation. It's not addressed to a family. It's not addressed to a religious group of people. It's actually addressed to an individual. You can put your name in this psalm. 
The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is Jason's shepherd. The Lord is Susan's shepherd. The Lord is Rochelle's shepherd. The Lord is Zephyr's shepherd. The Lord is Lockie's shepherd. Put your name in there. The Lord is my shepherd. And David, who wrote this psalm, was a shepherd himself. And he knew what sheep were like. He knew that sheep would wander off and get lost. He, he knew that, you know, sheep were defenceless on their own against a, an enemy and were prone to attack. And, and he knew that sheep were stubborn. He knew they needed a shepherd and David was a good shepherd. He, he cared for his sheep. He made sure his sheep were well fed and comforted and protected and at peace. He was a good shepherd. But David's not writing this psalm as a humble shepherd boy. David's now the powerful king of Israel with wisdom and wealth and power. And yet he still sees that he needs someone more powerful, more wise and with greater wealth than himself. He still needs a good shepherd. And so he writes this ancient song that's ministered to people throughout the centuries and points people to a confidence in the goodness of God in the midst of crisis. And so my prayer today as we read through this psalm line by line, that God will renew a confidence in you, in his goodness, as we walk through this crisis. You see, this is a psalm for marriages that are doing it tough. This is a psalm for parents when kids are wandering away. You know, this is a psalm for when the world is going through a global pandemic. And I pray today that you would have a renewed confidence in the goodness of God. The Lord is my shepherd. And these are some of the things that are good about him. He provides for you. Your shepherd provides for you. It says, I shall not want. You know, a good shepherd is all a sheep needs because a good shepherd by nature will always supply all the needs of the shepherd. And I, I talked about God's ability to provide a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend much time here, but I just want to share just one story from our care centre during the week. Jerrica, one of our volunteers, uh, met a single mum with three kids in real need, came to our care centre, said, I'd love to give her a food package. She said, while I was there, she was part of a complex of 50 other families who are in real need right now, really struggling. She said, I don't know if it's possible, but I'd love to be able to bless all 50 families. And Deb, who you saw on the video before, who leads our care centre, is a woman of great faith. And she simply said, let's pray and see what God does. Do you know what happened the next day? One of the organisations that's partnering with us to help, you know, give to those in need in our community delivered us 300 kilos of mints. That's not a sheep. That's half a cow was delivered to our care centre. And because of your generosity with Pastor Sauce and Pastor that's been coming in and your gifts and your offerings, we were able to mobilise a life group to go out to that complex of 50 families and give meals and food parcels to 50 families this week. Come on, just say thank you to God in the chat today. We have a God who is able to provide. We've got a shepherd who knows how to provide for us financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, 
Philippians 4 it says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Your shepherd provides for you. Your shepherd restores you. Verse 2 goes on to say, He makes me lie down in green pastures. How often do you see sheep lying down? And maybe you're thinking, I don't see sheep all that often. But you think about the last time you did see sheep. How often do you see them lying down? And it's not that often. Because for sheep to lie down, they've got to be really well fed and they've got to really feel at peace before they'll lie down in green pastures. We are like sheep. You know, God is a shepherd that wants to feed his flock. And he, he, he wants to make us well fed on his word and to restore our soul. Psalm 19, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. So the word of God is perfect. It restores the soul. You know, I went to an ag college for school and for some reason, I'm not sure, I decided to do a subject in year nine called Sheep Husbandry and Wool Technology. I remember the teacher looked like a sheep and I learned a lot about sheep. I can still tell you that a sheep has four stomachs. I can tell you their names and I can tell you what each of them do. I'm not going to give you an agricultural lesson today, but I do want to tell you about the first stomach of a sheep. It's called a rumen. And what a sheep will do is munch on a whole bunch of grass and then it will go down into their first stomach called the rumen where it will ferment and separate into liquid and solid. And then sheep will do this really cool thing. They'll regurgitate that solid grass back into their mouth and they'll chew on it all over again. All over again. It's called ruminating. It'd be really cool when you're in an expensive restaurant and just eating a really expensive meal and you want to taste it all over again. You could regurgitate it. I'm not sure how cool it is when you're just eating grass. But sheep ruminate. They, they, they chew on what they've eaten over and over again before it goes down into their second stomach called the reticulum. That's it for stomach names today. But my question for you today is what are you ruminating on? What are you ruminating on? You see, ruminate is an agricultural term, but it's become a psychological term. We ruminate on an idea or on a thought. And we can either choose to ruminate on all of our worries. We, we can ruminate on all of the news stories coming our way, or we can ruminate on the Word of God. When we ruminate on all of our worries and all of the news stories, we end up filled with anxiety and do not know peace. But God's Word is perfect. It restores our soul. It gives us peace. I want to encourage you in this season, be ruminating on the Word of God. Be ruminating on the truth of God's Word. He wants to restore your soul. Ruminate on this. The Lord, Yahweh, the creator of the universe, is your shepherd. He cares for you. He comforts you. He protects you. He provides for you. Keep ruminating on that. You see, when worries come to mind, it will keep tempting us to live out of anxiety. The Bible says that he then leads us beside quiet waters. You see, a shepherd will never lead sheep beside rushing waters because a sheep will never drink from rushing water. They're afraid that they'll fall in and become a giant ball of cotton wool and sink and drown. It's refreshing just for a moment, 
but not for long. And so a shepherd will lead the sheep beside still water where they can drink deeply at peace. I've taken this scripture literally for years. You've heard me talk about going down to the dam and sitting on my milk crate beside still waters and just meditating on the word of God, listening to the voice of God and letting him give me peace. And in this last six or eight weeks, I've found myself walking beside still waters. I walk down uh, to the bay and I watch the sunset. And as I see, you know, God's unchanging beauty and the perfect harmony of creation, you know, I begin to get filled with peace when all of the changes around me attempting to cause me anxiety. I choose to put on peace. And it's what Jesus says to his first disciples and he says to us. He says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but peace I leave you. Peace I give to you. You can receive his peace. I want to encourage you in this season. Be meditating on the beauty of God. Be ruminating on the word of God and he will restore Your soul, the next line of this psalm says, he will restore our soul. The cool thing about God's restoration is he's not restoring you to your previous condition. He's restoring you to his original creation. And so as we begin to get back to normal, whatever normal is, God's not wanting in this season for you to go back to your previous condition. He's wanting to restore you more and more to his original creation. I'll tell you that happens as we ruminate on the word of God and we meditate on the beauty of God and we receive his peace. We've got a shepherd who restores our soul and we've got a shepherd who guides us. Verse 3 says he guides me along the right paths. Sheep are followers. They don't stop and reflect on their actions. They just follow the flock. If one sheep goes over the cliff, they all follow her over the cliff. They don't stop and think, ah, Sally just went over a cliff. It doesn't look like a good way to go. It looks like a really bad idea. And that's the last of my bad sheep jokes for today. They just follow the sheep over the cliff because sheep need a shepherd and we are like sheep. We need a shepherd to guide us onto the right paths. And a shepherd would, uh, we, we, when we were at school, in that sheep uh, husbandry class, we weren't good shepherds. We'd often get asked by the teacher to go and round up the sheep and we would lead them in the wrong direction. We would lead them on the wrong path. We'd lead them onto the school oval, into the teacher's car park. Our favourite was to lead them into the soil profile pit, which was six feet below ground. Teacher would be looking around for the sheep, couldn't see the sheep. They were six feet under, literally. We weren't good shepherds. But you see, a good shepherd will never do that. A good shepherd will never lead their sheep on the wrong paths because the good shepherd, his actually reputation is at stake. It says he leads us on the right paths for his name's sake. See, the condition of the sheep is actually a reflection of the goodness of 
the shepherd. And so he's always speaking to us to lead us on the right path. A good shepherd will do that for sheep. And God, our good shepherd, will do that for us. He's always leading us on the right path. In John 10, it says the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And the shepherd would speak to his own sheep. He'd call them, Sean, you know, Sheba, come follow me. And they'd all follow. And a shepherd would have his own unique whistle and all of the sheep, you know, would follow their shepherd's whistle. They'd never follow another shepherd. I'd be a useless shepherd. I can't whistle. But I've got a wife who can whistle. She can really whistle. When the kids and I hear that whistle, it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter whether we're in the park, at church, at school, whether we're next door or in the next postcode. When we hear that whistle, the kids and I come running because we've heard that whistle so often and we're just ready to obey and do whatever she wants. She's a talented woman. Give us one more whistle, Shushan. That's her whistle. We recognize it anywhere and we come running. We've heard it so often, we've obeyed it so often. And that's the key to recognizing the voice of God. He's uniquely speaking to you. And some of you will go, well, how do I know what God's voice sounds like? Or we get to recognize his voice. The more that we listen to it and the more that we obey it, the more that we follow it. And if in this season you go, oh, I don't know what God's saying to me, go back and think about the last thing you thought God was saying to you. Have you obeyed it? Have you done what he's called you to do? It's how we get to know the voice of the shepherd, by actively listening and obeying. And the voice of the good shepherd, is his words is a simple way to remember it. His words will never push us away, but they'll always be drawing us close. His words will never put us down, but they'll always be building us up because that's what our shepherd is like. That's what our father in heaven is like. That's the way he speaks to his kids. And he's speaking to you in this season. We just don't always like to obey. We're a little bit like sheep. We get stubborn and we keep, you know, going in the same direction, you know, hoping that we'll get a different result. And he's actually calling us to repent and get on the right path. You know, sheep don't have a beep, 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 reverse gear. They can't turn around. But we do. We just don't like to do it. We get stubborn. You know, repentance is actually a beautiful word. When you actually are confident in the goodness of the shepherd and that he always has got a better path for you to go on, repentance is a beautiful thing. It means that God's got a better future for you. Hey, I really want to encourage you in this season. Crises are perfect times to turn around, to get off the wrong path and onto the right path. If in your family, in your relationships, in, in the way that you see God, in your habits and your addictions, you find yourself keep doing the same old thing and ending up with the same old result and it's not good for you, 
Trust that God's got something better. He's actually calling you to repent because he's got a better future for you. Your shepherd guides you. Your shepherd comforts you. As I read verse 4, I want you to see what changes in the language. I've got to be honest, I've never noticed this before until this week. But there's a definite change in the language in verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, or in the old King James, it says the valley of the shadow of death. And we've been walking through a valley like that as a global community right now. It's been a dark valley. He says, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The presence of God makes all the difference. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Did you notice the change in language? In verse 4, David changes from talking about God in the third person to talking to God in the second person. He stops talking about God and starts talking to God. And I find that often happens in times of crisis. And when we're in green pastures, we talk about God. And when we're in green pastures, we're actually more prone to wander off and think there's greener grass somewhere else and wander away from God and get lost. But when we're walking through a dark valley, we stick like glue to Jesus. And some of you in this season, you started talking to him in a different way. Some of you have started talking to him for the first time ever. Some of you have started talking to him for the, for in, in a new way or the first time in a long time. Or some of you have just come into a new intimacy with, with, with the shepherd who comforts you. I want to encourage you as we begin to re-enter normal life, you know, as we begin to walk back out of the dark valley and into greener pastures, don't lose this new intimacy this new prayer language, this new way you've got of walking with God. Keep sticking like glue to Jesus. He is the one that comforts us and guides us and protects us in every season. You see, in this picture, the shepherd has two sticks. And many people have got this picture of God with with kind of sticks ready to hit us with when we do the wrong thing. But that's not what this picture is about. You see, the sticks that the shepherd's holding are not to harm us, but to protect us because the shepherd is for us. And we are like sheep. We're defenseless against our enemy on our own. But our shepherd is stronger than the enemy. In John 10, it says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. You know, a good shepherd, you know, would actually lay down his life for the sheep. The shepherd would literally lay down, you know, in front of the gate so that no, uh, no enemies could get in and, and harm the sheep during the night. And this is exactly what our good shepherd has done for us. He has laid down his life literally on two sticks on a cross to actually die for our sin that once separated us from God and made us defenseless against the enemy. Jesus laid down his life 
for you, to forgive you, so that you can come into the very presence of God and in his presence we have nothing to fear. We will fear no evil because he has defeated the power of the devil on that cross once and for all. He put your sin to death and he defeated your greatest enemy, death, because he rose from the dead on the third day. You see, you've got a shepherd who is far more powerful than the enemy that wants to attack you, that's trying to steal and kill and to destroy from you. All he can do is lie to you. I want you to ruminate on this. Jesus died for you. Therefore, he is always for you. He's always for you. That's what the good shepherd is like. He lays down his life for you and absolutely no one can snatch you out of his hand. He's a good shepherd. Your shepherd blesses you. In the next verse, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And in this verse, the analogy actually moves from shepherd to host. And the host in this analogy blesses the guest in the same way that the shepherd's been blessing the sheep. The the host feeds the guest, protects the guest, provides for the guest, restores the guest, puts oil on their head, blesses the guest. You know, many years ago, Susan and I hosted a young adult's life group at our house and we loved it. But they never knew when to go home. They'd never take the hint. I'd say the final prayer and I'd say amen. We'd put out uh, some supper and they'd finish it and then we'd clean the kitchen and they still wouldn't go home. And then Susan would put her pyjamas on and turn the lights out and they still wouldn't go home. And, And we'd say we're going to bed now and they still wouldn't go home. And I'd have to send them out and we'd think they were home And then we'd be laying in bed an hour later and we'd hear them laughing on our front lawn and I'd have to go out and turn the sprinklers on to get them to go home. They'd never take the hint. You know, in Palestinian culture, there was a tradition. When you're a guest at a host table, as long as your cup kept getting filled up, you were welcome. You are welcome to stay at the host table and to eat, to be restored, to be protected from your enemy that was out there, provided for. You're welcome to stay. And this is what David is saying in this psalm. You have a shepherd who always welcomes you. He always protects you. He always comforts you. He always restores you. He always provides you. He always protects you because his, your cup overflows. It never runs out. You're always welcome. It's why David's able to finish this psalm by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm always welcome in his presence. And it makes all the difference. But I want to finish this message this morning with the second last verse of this psalm. It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I want you to understand this this morning. Your shepherd, he chases you. He chases you down. 
Ancient shepherds would count their sheep every night to ensure that none of them had got lost. And if one of them had got lost, they'd go searching, you know, for that sheep in the middle of the night to bring it home. And it's why Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 15, you know, about a shepherd who has 100 sheep, loses one of them. Would he not make an all-out search for that sheep, go searching for that sheep. When he finds it, carry it all the way home. When he gets home, you know, throw a big party with all of his shepherd buddies because he's found that one lost sheep. And I listen to that story and I think that's a lot of effort for one lost sheep. I've actually learned a lot about passages like this by hanging out with modern-day shepherds. I was out with my cousins one time bringing in 500 sheep for shearing. And there was one sheep out of that 500 had a bad leg and it kept wandering away, getting left behind and getting lost. My cousin came to me and said, will you take that sheep back to the sheds for me and we'll round up the rest? Well, that sounds simple enough. But have you ever tried to balance a 100 kilo Merino on the back of a motorbike riding up a grassy hill? I had one hand on the throttle, one hand on the clutch, and I had my third hand magically balancing the sheep. And sheep truly are stupid. And he kept falling off my motorbike and trying to run away. And I'd have to go back, pick him up, put him back on the motorbike, go back up the hill. I'd get a little bit further up, he'd jump off again. I'd have to go back again, pick him up again, put him on the motorbike, ride back up the hill. After the third time of this happening, sheep truly are stubborn. Kept doing the same thing over and over again. I made the executive decision, I'm leaving that sheep behind. Not worth the effort. I caught up with my cousins who were shepherds. They said, where's that sheep? Told them the story. Too much effort, left it behind, wandered off on its own. Country boys don't say much, but he just kind of looked at me like, are you on drugs? And I looked back and I looked at him like, well, are you on drugs? It's just one sheep. What I learned to understand is that one lost sheep has real value to a farmer. And this is what Jesus is saying about the heart of God, our Heavenly Father, Jehovah Ra, our Good Shepherd. Every one lost person is valuable to God and He comes to chase you down. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on a cross to forgive your sin, to actually make a way for you to come into the very presence of God for all of eternity so that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's willing to go to every effort to chase you down. He's chasing you and he's chasing you doesn't matter how many times you walk away it doesn't matter how many how many times you get stubborn Jesus is chasing you down he says you can know the shepherd this this Greek word here is the word gnosko and it's the same word that the bible uses for a man knew a woman and had a child. It's an incredibly intimate word and Jesus isn't using any sexual overtones, but he is using the same idea, the same picture of intimacy. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be close to him. And so he has chased you down. He has searched for you. There's just in, 
in a whole world full of people. He's searched for you. And some of you right now, you've been turning your back on Him for a long time and you know He's been chasing after you. You know His love and His goodness has been chasing after you. I want to encourage you today, don't be stubborn. Choose to repent. Choose to receive the love and the goodness of a good shepherd today. A love and a goodness that will follow you all the days of your life. If today is your day to repent, to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, say, come and forgive my sin. I, I want to start following you from now on. I want, to, I want to get guided onto the right paths. I'd love to pray for you right now. And I'd love you just to let us know on that button on the screen. Just push the button, say, I'm choosing to become a follower of Jesus. Not to just follow the rest of the world. Not to just keep following people, you know, into, and getting lost and away from God, but actually choosing to follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and to know Him intimately. If that's you today, I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you've never prayed this prayer or you haven't prayed it for a very long time. And today is your day. Just would you pray it with me as it comes up on the screen and just push that button, say, today I'm choosing to follow Jesus, the good shepherd. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and I choose to follow you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and promise me new life. Please come into my life so I can know your power and your grace forever. Amen. Hey, why don't you just encourage everybody that's prayed that prayer and push that button today. God has got a good future for you. God wants to pour out a blessing on you. He's chased you for a long time. He's never going to let you go. Nothing and no one will ever be able to snatch you out of His hand. Hey, I'm going to get uh, Mark and Eads and the team just to sing over us a song that we uh, sung before. We weren't supposed to, but it's one of the beauties of live streaming. We're going to sing it again. It's a picture of the goodness of God just chasing, chasing after us. Let these words continue to minister to you today. And I want to pray for us as a church that God would give us a confidence in His goodness and His love that will follow us all the days of our life. Let these guys, the words of these songs, minister to you today.
God is good. He is good all the time. He is a faithful shepherd. Now, this has been the most difficult time that I've ever pastored in the local church. People going through such upheaval and pain, and yet we can't be physically present to care for one another, to pray with one another. My heart's breaking for some of you that I know are going through real pain right now. Would you pray with me? Just reach out your hands. Reach out your hands ready to receive from God that you would know His love and His goodness that would follow you every single day of this season and throughout your life. Let me pray for you, church. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for every person that is part of our church at Gateway. I thank you for every person in every campus. God, I thank you for all of those that have just started joining us through Gateway Online. God, you see every single one of us. God, you see our pain. You see our heartache. You see our struggles. You see our worries. And God, you are our good shepherd. God, you do provide. You do restore our souls. You do lead us into good paths of great blessing. God, your love and your goodness will follow us all the days of our life. God, I pray for every single one of us today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would just put a confidence in your goodness, renew a confidence in your eternal goodness in our hearts and in our minds today. That God, daily we would remember, we would ruminate on your goodness. That because Jesus, you died for us, therefore you are always for us. God, fill our hearts with your goodness and your grace today. God, would you restore our souls as we sit in your presence this week? Would you protect us from the enemy? God, would you keep us safe? May we feed on your word and grow strong. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless your church. I pray that you'd know the goodness and the love of God following you every day this week and throughout this season. Please join on uh, Facebook Live in your campus right now and be back again next week as we finish our No Other Name series on Gateway Online. And watch out for my email this week with a few important announcements for the weeks to come. God bless you, church. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.